Caught Offside with Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney. Oh, yes! Caught Offside, suburbs of New York City, apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling, J.J. Devaney, late night edition. What's up, brother? Hey, Andrew, I'm uh, surprisingly less drained after that game than I thought it would be. Uh, you are... You've been through the emotional ringer all day. I, I too, was, was where you were. But uh, after this game, I, I don't feel quite so, so overwrought. I'm exhausted. Not, and not because it's late at night. Like, if, if it was four in the afternoon, I would feel exhausted right now. And that's, that's me. Like, I don't know that the U.S. It's not that they did anything wrong to make me feel. I was just stressed all day. Like, I, I texted you early in the day that, like, I just this game just kind of like gave me those, those feelings where you're at work and you can't focus. You're, you're just so single-minded in, in your day. And this game was that for me. Well, wow. and, and I was, as I was watching it, even with the U S playing well and controlling a, a good chunk of the game, I was just stressed, stressful. If I had wow. one word to, to sum it up for me, it was stressful. I, I don't really know what you're talking about. I think the uh, lead that, that's how I felt. What do you the mean? The lead up to the game. Uh, certainly, I could feel that stress, the tension in the air. But with about 15 minutes to go to kickoff and that stadium like sparse, um, as someone pointed out on Twitter, Red Bull Arena full, MLS full. You were like, what is what is happening here? This is. This is not what we signed up for. And, and that kind of constant noise that you associate with that arena wasn't there. And you thought this is going to be a doddle of a warm up at least. And then you expected the Mexican national team itself to bring the fire. And they didn't really do that either. And, and the, you know, the only times that I felt genuinely uncomfortable were towards the end when Bearhalter made that raft of substitutions. And Mexico had that purple patch, which, by the way, you expect from most teams at home mm-hmm. who are, you know, on it's nil nil and they're, they're trying to get something from the game. You expect some kind of onslaught. And I'm not even sure if this qualifies quite to the extent of an onslaught. And um, the only other time apart from that was when we, which I say the only other time, it must have been about three times, twice in the first half, once in the second half where we attempted to play out in a fashion that was not crisp and not clean. And Mexico turned the ball over and got chances, got at the goal. Other than that, Andrew, that's as comfortable a night as you will have in the Azteca, baby. I guess, but I'm just so conditioned to believe, especially in that place where when you waste opportunities in the way that the U.S. did, and then you start to concede possession the way that the U.S. did over the course of the last 15 minutes or so of that game. I'm just it's just in me. This this part of me just sees that and thinks we're going to get burned. We're going to get burned. We're going to get burned. And that I don't know that that's the U.S.'s fault. I'm not blaming them. They played really, really well tonight. We're going to go through everything that happened over the course of this game. I've got extensive notes here. Really, really intense note taking. Um, we're going to go through all of it. They played well. That's just, I'm just talking about me. I got my own inner monologue and my own past experiences with this sport and with this team. I mean, look what we'll, we'll talk about Italy later in the show. They had 32 shots today. They're out. They're out. 
like that. This sport is nuts. doesn't make sense a lot of the time. So I'm just, it's, it's conditioned me in big moments to just inherently be nervous. I I, Um, I think um, you made a point uh, last week, not last week on uh, Tuesday's podcast, which everybody can listen to. And you said about the, about the classical, you said, uh, this can be simultaneously an excellent win for Barcelona and also a horrifying performance in that they should have scored way more. Now, that's not the case for the US tonight per se, but it is the case they should have come out with a 2-0 victory. Yeah, Mexico are the team walking away from this game tonight feeling fortunate to have gotten a point. And you and the US are the team walking away and flying back to the United States thinking we, we let them off the hook. And that's... That's a step in the right direction. Certainly, that's not usually how the U.S. walks out of the Azteca, um, feeling like they were the better team, that they were the team that should have won that game. And I think that was – you talked about the atmosphere in that building. Um, I think that was reflected in the way – it was not loud in there. The Olays were fairly limited. Um, I know that they – you know, attendance was capped at 50,000. By the way, still a big number, 50,000 people. There was like, nowhere enough, close enough to, to generate sound. Um, so I know the first half, they talked about how it was not full. It looked like in the second half, it did fill up. They were talking on the broadcast about how the traffic outside was horrible. People couldn't get in. Um, but the atmosphere, it was, it felt quiet for long stretches. It just felt like a fan base that is not on board with this Mexican team. And, and who can blame them? This Mexican team has, has largely disappointed. Uh, they're still in decent position to qualify for the World Cup, but I think for a lot of the talent that they have, I can understand why Mexican fans are really disappointed with what they've seen, and, and that was reflected tonight. Um, there's a lot to go through here, JJ. Uh, should we just – I have all my key moments here. If you want me to just rattle through and we can kind of hone in on on the biggest ones because I think people are going to identify with those and want to hear about those. Yeah, Are you definitely. ready? Yeah, sure. Okay, here we go. Um, I wanted to, I'll I'll go through it all chronologically. One thing that was interesting to me. um, So we we saw the lineup for the U.S. There was a lot of talk coming in. Are they going to play a B squad? I mean, Bearhalter was very honest about that and said that it's something that they've had long discussions about. They've, you know, they've debated it in their backroom meetings and, and he's, he kind of left it at, you'll all find out later today what we're, what it's going to be. In the end, that was not a B squad. That was you know, as close to the full team as, as the health of the team would allow for. I mean, obviously they were missing key players. Um, but one of the things that I was most interested about, obviously I'm always interested at the front. It was Ricardo Pepe tonight. Um, but I was curious about who it would be at the back. And he went kind of with his tried and true miles Robinson and Walker Zimmerman Zimmerman. I felt solid about, I thought he would always start miles Robinson was the one that was interesting to me because he was not in great form the last time we saw him for the U S for really the first time since he's put on the Jersey and for Atlanta, he has not been in great form as of late. And so I was wondering, okay, what would that be reflected this time around for the U S and Bearhalter went right back to him. He clearly trusts him. And so I kind of had a keen eye out for that. And then sure enough, fairly early on in this, I think it was around the 10th minute gets nutmegged, commits a foul. I thought, uh Oh, don't let this be a sign of things to come. And in the end, I thought that was really, I thought he's, he settled himself after that. Miles well, Robinson. That, yeah, that, that was the, that was the early stages of things when I, I suppose if you're looking at indications where Mexico were going to cause the U S trouble, I thought the movement of Jimenez was interesting 
where he he kind of he was trying to pull the center backs out and it worked in this case. So he pulled wide. Robinson goes after him and then he gets megged and he obviously body checks him and it's it's a yellow card. And, and like I thought, ooh, it's interesting what Mexico are doing here. But like you said, he settled into it and um Raul Jimenez had a, a quiet, relatively quiet night after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was 10th minute, 14th minute. All right, here we go. Now the U.S. starts to settle down, starting to get into the game. Anthony Robinson, who I thought once again was his usual self, which is a good thing, breaks into space, plays it across the box. Uh, Musa, it comes to him. He's by himself. And I'm in real time, I thought, okay, he's going for near post. I don't know that I would have done that. Watching it on the replay, just looks like he straight up mishits it. You know, he was solid overall for the night, but this was a this was a bad moment. He's got to hit that cleaner. He's he there's do, no he, one really near him. That that's got to be a, a more dangerous attempt than what it was. And there was, I think, it was the angle from behind the goal that suggested it wasn't even going to go in; that it was going to curl wide. Mm-hmm. But Ochoa didn't know; he couldn't be sure of that, and so he tipped it around the post. Um, that was a theme, Andrew. Miss hit. <laughs> shots and um that one thankfully will fade into insignificance when we get to the others but um i agree with you he's he's got a bit of time he's got a lot of space he's got to uh i think he's got to force i think he's got to hit the target i think he's got to score and i mean um, technically he did right uh, it's credited it was credited as a save i believe for ochoa but yeah I, i don't think i don't think it was ever going in no i agree and that's that's not good enough these opportunities, you're not, the U S got opportunities. Uh, so it wasn't the only one, but you're not going to get a ton of them on the road in world cup qualifying, especially in that place. And that, you know, that was kind of an early sign of, of things to come. Unfortunately, from a missed opportunity standpoint, that was sort of like the, the flare, the early warning sign, uh, 20th minute, JJ, Mexico, not really hiding their approach to Christian Pulisic gets into space, didn't have a ton of opportunities, was not on the ball very much, which, well, was, okay. which is I, a point I, of concern, I, but it's an Alvarez just drags him down by, by his neck. <laughs> that we're not, we're not letting him beat us tonight. I, I hate to do this to you, but I need to be fair to our, our Mexican counterparts. So I need, I need to rewind to the, uh, the Tecatito cross to um, on the 13th minute to uh, Montez and uh, Zach Steffen saves comfortably, but it was a header and it was on target. Yeah, but it was it was a it was a very good move. As for the Pulisic run, Andrew, this might have been one of those like he he you know he makes the run, he he's fouled. Uh, we get a free kick. I I thought a theme of the night was wasted free kicks. I don't think there was a ton of quality in our set pieces. Um, again, which you there was a few from Acosta you expected more, um, but just on, on on Pulisic, I thought it was interesting again that that ball can go from him quicker. He can make that dart, but play that pass sooner. And it was another theme tonight where I, I I genuinely thought that this is a player who is very much captured in his own mind by what he what he feels he has to do. And he doesn't play with complete freedom for the United States. Yeah, I was thinking that too. I, I forget exactly in what minute it was, but Morris Adu made the point that I think it was him that, that said Pulisic had had the fewest touches of anybody on the U.S. team in the first half. Um, and I 
don't really remember all that many more in the second half. Who is that? Is that a Pulisic problem? Is that a bear halter problem? And, and tonight, trust me, tonight was not going to be a night when I was going to sit here and, and really criticize Greg Bearhalter. I thought overall they did the right things tonight. Um, but in terms of your best player, Pulisic, and his lack of involvement, I just I sometimes wonder is there something else that they can be doing with him positionally? I, you know, he's playing on the left. He's where I would I would expect him to be. Yeah. Um, but like he's collecting the ball. Like, should he be making runs and somebody you know and Acosta should be trying to ping passes to him, running you know running in behind the defense? It seems like he's he's more often than not for the U.S. collecting the ball you know, around Deeper. midfield or, yeah. or 40 yards out and then being expected to, you know, to run through the defense. And sometimes that's, that's not what he's going to do. Yeah. I don't know what the specific instruction from Bearhalter is, but you do bring up a, a good point. Is this, is this a systems issue or is this a Pulisic issue? I think by his reactions, it's a bit of both, but possibly mm-hmm. a Pulisic issue. Now we will return to your, I mean, I love your list, your chronological list, Andrew. I'm enjoying it. I know. I love your commitment to a timeline, but can I just jump forward and ask you if you can remember in the second half at one point in the, in the left-hand side in midfield, Pulisic picks up the ball and beats two Mexican players. And suddenly he's away, right? And he's in space. And there's a run being made down the left-hand side. I think it was Anthony Robinson. It's on my list. Okay. 75th minute. Pulisic gets into space, but a misplaced pass kills it. He's had right. a rough night. Ru- <laughs> I, lo- I love the note. fact you're note-keeping. It, it's wonderful. This is, like, this is a diary that future historians will go back to and think, oh, what a dull boy. Um, <laughs> no, but it, do you remember what he did after that pass? He kind of he kind of just like got really frustrated with himself because for a player of his quality and with the amount of space to make the pass, it was a very poor effort. And that's what I think. That's why I think he's he's just a little bit inhibited by the weight of expectation that that he's put on his own shoulders. And he has talked about that in the past. Very recently, I think it was the last window he spoke about it. And um, I, I wonder if there's some kind of. Uh, a little bit of sports psychology from from some quarters that can be given to him to tell him um, just to kind of slip into that Chelsea groove or uh, get into the day to day groove rather than this kind of this kind of onerous responsibility he places on his shoulders. You know, the best players play when they're relaxed and he doesn't seem that way at all. Yeah. And look, maybe I'll for the, for the 75th minute, maybe I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt and say he's tired at that point. They all were all the guys who had started the game at that point. You had, you had a lot of subs that had come on by then. Mm-hmm. Um, but the guys who had started, you, you could see exhaustion was settling in. And I think that sure. had a lot, I think that had some, we, we we're going to talk about the change in mentality as the game went on. Cause I think that's an important point for the last 15 to 20 minutes of that game. Um, but I, I really think tired legs had something to do with it. That's it's one of the great advantages that Mexico has playing in that place is, is the altitude just. Um, but please, tough. Andrew, return to your notes. People are enjoying them. They are, they are a historic record of the night. 27th minute. This was my first, you know, of all my tensing up moments over the course of the night, there were, there were several, not a ton, but there were several moments where I really tensed up all my do- muscles. 
Can you describe how that tension manifested itself in your body? No, uh, I don't think <laughs> I don't think I can use that word on this podcast. Uh, what you can't say a body part? Not this body, not the body part you're referring to. You can't if say you're, sphincter. If you're referring to the text message that I sent to you in, in roughly the 85th minute. I can't say that word. A sphincter says what? <laughs> uh, 27th minute, JJ Tecatito. He's one of these guys who. I would never say that he's he's not the best player on Mexico. Um, you know, I would give that designation to other players. Raul Jimenez, Hector Herrera, um, you know, uh, maybe not tonight, but other nights, Edson Alvarez. But okay. there, there's something about Tecatito where I fear him more than all those other guys. There's yeah. something electric about the way he plays, his quickness. Uh, his, you can see his raw ability. 27th minute, ball is played to him in the box. I mean, his first touch, JJ, I, I, I shudder to compare it to a certain American who wasn't playing tonight because I'm not that guy because I support the guy that I, who I won't reference. I here. mean, you have you have referenced it. People know who you're talking about. Well, that's on them. Oh, I, I'm really? a supporter of the guy that that they're thinking of in their heads right now. But I'm just saying if that guy had done what Tecatito did, I mean, how many our inbox, our, our Twitter account might have been shut down from overuse. People would have lost their minds. That was Tecatito. That was awful. Yes, it was. And, 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 the, uh, and as I saw that ball going to him, I thought, uh-oh, 1-0. But terrible by him. And, and it, it should be noted, though, that this is one of the chances that, were, that was not born out of amazing Mexican penetration or domination of that phase of the game. It came from a poor pass from Zach Steffen playing out. And there was, there was an inquest launched immediately between Tyler Adams and, and Zach Steffen over exactly what the hell happened there. Because you're right, Tecatito needs to take a better touch and he should absolutely score. Now, Stefan does well to come out and to smother it and to redeem himself. Um, but, you know, that was, that was one of those moments where, where Mexico got at the U.S. But they don't get at the U.S. if the U.S. are more composed and calm and don't make those kind of errors. Right. Um, 30 second minute, a quick one. I enjoyed the long throw combination play set up a, a nice set piece when Ricardo Pepe drew a foul. Not much needs to be said about that. Just, uh, I just liked it aesthetically, uh, 35th minute. Here we go. I mean, we've already said so much about Pulisic and the way he played, but we, we said that before we even got to the main point way, perfect ball to Christian Pulisic. My God, JJ, how does he not score? Well, can we first, uh, first talk about the wonderful interplay where the ball goes into Pepe's feet and he plays a perfect round-the-corner pass for the onrushing way. I, I just want to know because Pepe's probably going to... He's had a rough time at Augsburg. It's not gone the way that people would hoped it would. Honestly, not entirely his fault. He's not getting minutes in a, in a relegation-bound or relegation-battling side. Tough spot for a youngster, a teenager to go into. And he's not going to get many mentions tonight, but that was a nice piece of uh, selfless centre-forward play to create, to help create that chance. Andrew, uh, this is one where he's hit it. It's, it's, he's, he's scuffed it. He's hit it with his heel and uh, straight at Ochoa. Someone tried to give Ochoa credit for being there. I mean, it's kind I mean, of his job to where, physically be there. So, Sorry, where, where, where could he have been? Right. You know. Yeah. I mean, that Boca one... Raton. Like, come on. <laughs> I saw the uh, 
different outlets will have different numbers. I'm going to go with what I saw at ESPN, given that's the company we work for. Uh, they pointed out the XG on that attempt. Do you want to guess what it was? No, go on. Tell 0. me. 0.53 on that attempt alone. Yeah. They point out, JJ, that Pulisic has, he's had three left-footed shots with an XG value of 0.50 or greater in all competitions in 2022, and he has failed to score with all three. Got a, he's got a little bit of me in him. Maybe he's all right-footed, and that left foot is just there as a prop. Um, yeah, and not to disparage my own, but if you look at his personal battle with Keevan Kelleher over one league game where he scored a goal with his left foot and the Carling Cup final, but over those two games, there was a lot of, and it was pointed out by our listeners too, a lot of hitting it at the goalkeeper. A lot of... From him or in general? From, oh no, from Pulisic. Okay. A lot of, uh, no, Keller, certainly in the Carabao Cup final, I, I would, yeah, I, th- I think one of them, it, it was a good save, but again, there were, it was at him. And that is, it's not great. He, I feel yeah, but he, he also recently had that. I, I don't remember who it was against now. It's escaping me. It was in the, the Champions League, his finish, his finish that went far post that was perfectly placed. So I don't know that that I view him as one of these guys who who lacks finishing ability. No, no, no. I, I don't think he's an out and out goal scorer. And you've just you've just listed off maybe issues with his left foot. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, we're dancing around the issue. He just he's got to nail that. He's got to put that past Ochoa. It's it's yeah, it was it was a it was a really disappointing one because it was such a nice passage of play. It was the kind of thing that you're always screaming about from the US. Get good combinations going, get guys running beyond the center forwards, you know. And all that happened, and it deserved a finish not to be hit straight at um, Memo Ochoa. Yeah. Um, so that was brutal. I think it took a moment for everyone to be, you know, to, to settle down from, from kind of the deflation of having missed that opportunity. 39th minute yellow for Tim Weah, him and DeAndre Yedlin, both out against Panama. Um, I think for Yedlin, that is potentially costly. Although I don't know that he was ever going to start. I mean, he, he, again, you talk about guys who look gassed at the end of this one. He was one of them way. I, I don't know that he was going to start against Panama. I guess we'll never really know, but I, I kind of assume that Gio Reyna is going to get the start in that one. Um, so I don't know that it kills them not having way but you know, you, you would have, you'd rather him be available than not. Nevertheless, a second yellow, two yellows. Uh, I saw who was it? Paul Tenorio. Somebody tweeted tonight that, um, two yellows over the course of all qualifying feels really harsh to be suspended. Um, that that's that is harsh, isn't it? Sorry, two cautions across the whole of qualifying. Yeah, yeah it's not. Uh, I mean, I, that is so harsh that I would have to go and check if that's actually the rule. Oh, I'll double check, but I'm pretty sure it was Paul Tenorio. I'll go back in his Twitter at some point and, and double check. Okay, forty uh, first JJ bad giveaway from Mexico. Uh, like I think that's a theme with them over the course of this night. Sloppy giveaway in the middle of the pitch comes to Wea, skies it over the bar. Bad finish uh, from him from about 18 yards out. But you know you're beginning to see the frustration for Mexican fans with this team. It's just there is a sloppiness to them that you wouldn't expect from a team with a lot of veteran players. 
Mm. Uh, you know, I mentioned earlier the, the first touch from Tecatito, this giveaway, they had other giveaways, their finishing ability all throughout this game was, you know, there was not a lot there to, to be desired. Um, and the U S fortunately for Mexico just wasn't really able to take advantage of these opportunities, but you know, you could see all night long what it is that has been frustrating uh, Mexican fans with this team. Uh, that's what I have for the first half move to the second half. Now, um, 49th minute, Kellen Acosta, nice ball to Pulisic, shot on target, no angle, never going to score there. But, um, you know, Kellen Acosta, JJ, I thought was, did a nice job in, in this game. Um, that pass was one of his better passages of play. His set pieces maybe weren't as good as some of what we had seen, certainly against Honduras, mm. where he was excellent in that category. But, you know, he played in some balls where it just didn't find an American head, but you know, he still played in some set pieces that I thought were were pretty solid. He was you know, he was the MLS. Here's what's taboo and all this. The MLS guys are always going to have a spotlight on them in these games. And so they're always <laughs> judged a little bit har- more harshly. I, I believe um, that's kind of the eye that they're watched with. So people will watch a cost and it's almost like they're looking for him to make mistakes. And oh, I, sure. I, don't think, I don't think he got that. I thought he no. was, I thought he was solid. I think uh, he had two of the most prescient passes of the night. One of them was for the, uh, that shot you mentioned there. And we'll get to the other one. Um, in a little bit. Uh, 58th minute, we jump ahead a little bit. Edson Alvarez, he was living dangerously for Mexico. I mean, he had the early, uh, the 20th minute yellow card, and then in the 58th, another hard foul. It, it, I really believe that he's, I was okay with it not being given. I'm not, this is not, don't misconstrue what I'm doing here. I'm not sitting here complaining that he wasn't sent off. But I do think that if he hadn't been given a yellow earlier, he might have been given one here. Yeah, and that's I think okay. So. I, I'm okay with a referee managing a game in that way. I think that's that's fine. But I'm just I'm just laying out the point that he was he was on the edge the way he played uh, over the course of this one. He could have really put them in some trouble. There was a general consensus that he could easily have walked in another game. Yeah, yeah. Sixtieth um, minute, Mexico on the counter. I thought this was, you know, I was talking before about sloppiness from Mexico. It just felt like they were pressing in certain situations. Chucky Lozano, I think really highly of him. I really think he's a great player. I love watching him play. They're on the counter. Seems like they have numbers just really poor from him. They had numbers in space. You know, he has guys running. I think it was three on three with a fourth Mexican player charging from behind. And instead of kind of holding it up and, and letting it develop, fires one from about 22 yards out it's a weak dribbler stefan has no problem with it just it just felt like you know these guys are under stress essentially yeah. that they, you know they're they're in their own heads it's we're I, talking I, about that being the case with pulisic it seems like mexico has, has a whole team full of guys who are playing like that and just before that chucky lozano went down the left and instead of continuing down the left he came back across inside brought yedlin inside and he forced a shot that curled over the top it was a you know, it was a decent effort, but he seemed, I think at that point, Andrew, Mexico were struggling to create, struggling to break down in general passages of play, struggling to get a rhythm together. And we saw what became hero ball, which is trying to get long range shots, stuff that's never going to really uh, make Zach Steffen be worried or concerned. Uh, and, and that's the sign of a team under immense pressure. And when you saw how the Mexican supporters reacted at the end, they were shouting, Fura, uh, was it Fura Tata? With, uh, Fire Tata is my, my translation. Um, and, and the booing and, you know, 
there was a point in the game where it was getting a little bit stretched, but even then Mexico's decision-making and, and their, and their shot options weren't very good. You know, it's interesting with Mexico and, you know, you talk about the chance for Tata and the way the fans feel about the team. We're in a U.S. bubble. We think in terms of our own team um, and the stress that this fan base feels about this American team for however we feel about the U.S. And, and we love them, but they frustrate us at times. You know, we, we sometimes expect more. We didn't necessarily think we'd be going into this final week of qualifying feeling as nervous as, as we do. Um, what are I mean, if that's how we feel, what are Mexican fans feeling about about their team? Like they are the ones with the veteran group that this was none of this was supposed to be a problem. They have the manager that a lot of American fans wanted, you know, and they have these three straight losses against their rival, the U.S. on their resume. Now it's four straight unbeaten for the U.S. against Mexico, including this one at the Azteca, which is just not supposed to happen. I mean, for think about that, American fans, whatever you're feeling about your own team right now, any kind of frustrations or anything like that. I mean, it's, it's tenfold, I think for the way Mexican fans feel about their own team right now. This isn't the perfect barometer because it wasn't the team that played tonight and it wouldn't turn out to be Greg Bearhalter's preferred side. But if you rewind back to September, 2019 and that friendly match, which was a, I mean, to call it a friendly, the tension and atmosphere at the Meadowlands for that game just goes to show you the depths of this rivalry. But if you recall how Mexico played that night, their speed of play, I mean, what Tecatito did to Serginho Dest for one of the goals um, just took him to the absolute laundrette. And you watch that and you look, if you're from a Mexican's perspective, they've gone so far back. They've fallen so far back. They do. They look a shadow of that team that played that night, Andrew. I mean, their press that night was, again, this was a U.S. team under development, but the press that night was so clinical. Their speed of play was so sharp. That's not the team we're seeing right now. Uh, so we continue now. 61st, we start to see the substitutions. Reyna, Peafock, here we go. My guy, Peafock, here, he's in. I texted you right away. I said, it's PFOC time. Oh, and you texted it in capitals as well. All caps to emphasize my feelings on the matter. Um, and now we get into the point of, the, of this match where, you know, I talked about my stressfulness, my my clenching up in certain areas. Now we're this is where we start to get into that. This This like next 11 to 12, 13 minute stretch it was starting to come fast and furious. 66 minute, good buildup from Mexico. Ball played across, and Yedlin, who was running on fumes even at that point, I thought, um, really important intervention at the back post, cleared cri- any any sort of crisis that there might have been averted. I thought that was a good job by him. Um, then into the 70th, y- yikes, a near penalty on Walker Zimmerman on a challenge of Raul Jimenez. Uh, th- I think they got to the right call. Right. How was... did that happen, though? How did that happen? Yunus Musa giving it away in a bad area, in an area you can't do it, and suddenly Mexico are in. This was not great Mexican play. This was us shooting ourselves in the foot. What do you think of, of the Zimmerman challenge? Um, anything, anything in there is dangerous. I think on another day that can be given as a penalty, but um, Jimenez has gone too hard for it. He has, 
He's gone all golden globes on this one. And that's that was my problem with it. He he tried he he tried to add a bit of relish to it and um and the referee wasn't having it. And then JJ, the 72nd minute. Oh boy. Acosta to Reyna. Beautiful pass to Peafock. Dear God, horrible miss. I'm speechless. I mean, maybe he doesn't even, even maybe worse than Pulisic's even. Oh, way worse because he doesn't even. I mean, Pulisic's was directed towards the target. The aim of the of the game is to try and get it between the sticks and over the line under the oh. crossbar. And P Fox ended up going closer to the corner flag. I mean, what do you even say? Like it's it's a horrible moment, and and you saw it on him when the full-time whistle blew like he, oh, yeah. he, the full-time whistle blew and the camera found him and he was face down on the ground, not out of exhaustion. He was only on for about 30 minutes. He was not, it was not out of exhaustion. I think he was, I think he's going to be thinking about that mischance and, and hopefully the U S will qualify and it can be, Oh, we'll all laugh about that time. Remember when you got it six yards out at the Azteca and, and you basically shot it at the corner flag. Oh, ha ha. Oh, let's yuck it up. Hopefully that's what it'll be. But in the moment and in this moment right now, that's that was that was bad. That was I, uh, that was really, really bad. I also think what added to the sense of what has just happened here. Oh, my God, this is horrifying. May the ground swallow this young man up immediately to save him from the embarrassment was his teammates reaction. Well, Gio Reyna looked at him just totally puzzled. What are you doing? <laughs> Uh, I don't know if Reyna thought Peafock was trying to pass it back to him. Yeah, <laughs> he definitely wasn't. No, um, he was trying to shoot. It just, but it, just it was such... off wrong. He got his foot wrong. It, it, look, it, was... it can happen. It I mean, just, it, and it did happen. It was yeah. such a perfectly weighted pass from Kellen Acosta and such a perfectly cushioned layup from, um, from Gio Reyna. And yeah, I think Giorena's face represented everybody. And I, I feel terrible for PFOC mm-hmm. because this is a guy who got into the squad, did well when he got into the squad, um, kicked on in his, in his career, has been playing well, has scored Champions League goals this, um, this cycle, this, this, this season. And, and then he gets left out and he's kind of sidelined and the manager talks about, I want more verticality. And the perfect answer to, to all those reservations that Greg Berhalter may have had about him as a striker, as a player, is to bury that. Mm-hmm. And it was presented. I mean, you can't ask for a better chance for a top, for a, a professional footballer. And um, another one goes a begging, Andrew. And that yeah. would have, that would have been good night delights. That would have been see ya. It's all over leaving the Azteca just feeling seven foot tall, every single player, but it was not to be. No, it would have been a legendary moment. One of those goals that you really, I mean, think about the way people talk about Michael Orozco's goal. It was on a right. friendly yeah, yeah, and people will never forget it. I mean, imagine if, if PFOC puts that in the back of the net there late in the game at the Azteca in a crucial world cup qualifier. I mean, it's goes down in history. He doesn't sleep tonight, by the way. No, no, no he doesn't. Um, and his teammates have, you know, put they got to put an arm around him. It's all good. You'll get another chance. That was, on. that was um, an interesting one. Uh, Jenny Chu uh, of Paramount plus uh, 
CBS asked the, asked that specific question to Bearhalter in the post match. I don't know if you heard it. What do you say in the locker room about the missed chances? Bearhalter, you know, he gave the diplomatic answer. He didn't talk about individuals. He said, you know, well, uh, that's soccer. And on another night, those chances go in for us. That, I'm paraphrasing, but that's essentially what he said. Yeah. But, what, what's he what's he going to say? No, exactly. But it is a good it is a good question. Of course. You're right. You've got to get to. Um, I mean, Pulisic is more experienced, uh, more experienced at this at this level, I guess. So um, and I, you feel as if Pulisic is going to internalize it and use it as some kind of fuel for himself. I feel like maybe he's that kind of character. But the arm has to go around uh, Peacock mm-hmm. while also the manager has to kind of now at this crunch moment with a crunch game coming up on Sunday, emphasize to his team in the strongest possible terms that you have got to hit the target. You've got to work the keeper. This this kind of uh, prolificacy cannot go on. Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, for, for the anti-Bearhalter crowd, all, all a man, what a manager can do is put his guys in position to succeed, but he can't succeed for them. You know, like I saw the uh, the scuffed podcast, JJ. They had a tweet that kind of summed it up. They said, we created chances to win, but our Chelsea number 10 and a guy who scored 24 goals this season missed them badly. It's a cruel game. I mean, that's, they were there. Like I, the two I, guys that you would that you would want to have those opportunities fall to. It fell to them. That should have been a dose of Sarah tonight. It really yeah, should that's, have. I mean, and, and that's a fair tweet. And I know we've, we've just spent the last 10, 15 minutes in. He has to score. He should have scored. I mean, the, that's just, those are just facts, especially at that level. The one thing I will say is the creation of the chances. And this is real. This is real proper football man thought. Yeah, but come on, give it to me. I am much happier that, that those chances, I told you, I love the buildup to both chances. I'm so happy to see a U.S. team have that kind of interplay around the box that I, I can get over these misses. However, I do understand <laughs> that we have to bundle some over on Sunday. Also, you're not saying that if Mexico score. Then you, then you can't get over those misses. Oh, the yeah. US, the U.S. walk out of there with a draw, still in good position. We'll talk about qualifying scenarios and where things stand. Things are still, relatively speaking, all good. If Mexico find a goal in the next 15 minutes of that game, those, those missed opportunities live on forever. You're not, we're not sitting here talking about it, but it was nice build-up play. You can feel good about the buildup. No, doesn't wouldn't matter. Yeah. Seventy um, seventh minute, JJ Gio Reyna. You know, so he he just had he came on um, after not having played for this team since the initial qualifying round. Um, comes on, makes the nice pass to Pfock. Should have had an assist. Didn't. Now in the seventy seventh, collects the ball. I mean, pretty much at, at his just outside of his own box. And this guy goes on a run. I kept thinking, okay, well, where's the pass? And you don't see it. And then he kind of dribbles past a couple of guys. Oh, that's nice. Okay, well, where's the pass? Still no pass. Not, no one around him. So he just kind of keeps going and that, around more guys. Still no pass. I mean, this goes on when Gio Reyna, you know, a year from now has like a Nike endorsement deal and they're making a commercial. This is, this is, the, this is the commercial, this run that he makes. Just doesn't lead to anything, but... Sometimes, you know, and one mixtape goes right on there. Uh, I, and um, U.S. Twitter, U.S. soccer Twitter has already uh, tweeted it out and it's going to be the highlight of the night, I would think. Um, great, awesome, 
slightly concerned that there was, I mean, dribbling was his best option at that point. There wasn't a ton on for him. Um, but what was interesting to me was, and in the context of what happened after that, there was a lot of tired legs out there that couldn't keep up with the freshness of Reina. And I think that is the point where you go for the jugular. Now, the jugular should already have been severed from the two chances before. Um, but we could have still got at the jugular and done some severing, but that was not the course of action that the manager took after yeah. that. And I, and um, no, yeah, this was the point where they, they kind of now slid into, okay, let's preserve this draw mode. Yes. Five and in the it, back. Yeah. And, and let's just get out of here with a point. We had our opportunities. We didn't get them. Let's not get burnt now. And 79th minute, Lozano gets a chance. Nick's one off the crossbar. Huge save from Stefan, although mm. the ref didn't see it. Should have been a corner. They gave him a, a free kick. Um, but that was, you know, that was a warning shot there uh, from Lozano. 80th minute. Now you start to see changes. Bearhalter's clearly seeing what's going on. Guys are exhausted. We got to get fresh defensive legs on there. Mm. And Eric Palmer Brown comes on. Uh, what an introduction into a moment like this in that stadium with that scoreline with everything at stake. Aaron Long comes on after his torn Achilles back now. Yedlin, Adams go off. I mean, this is what a moment that these two players coming back to the team are thrust into. Uh, And sure enough, 82nd minute, another chance for Lozano. Uh, This is now like, now I'm scared. U.S. like clearly looking tired. The pressure is on. Now Jordan Morris comes on in the 84th. Christian Pulisic, who was exhausted, he goes off. Uh, 88th minute, a, a huge clearance from Aaron Long. U.S., like I said, clearly playing for the tie. One more moment of real fear. Alexis Vega in the 90th um, goes down in the box. You couldn't tell right away, but the ref was all over it. Yeah, and he should have kept going. He should have kept going. He was the right side. Yeah, of- I thought that too. Yeah, he was the right side of Jordan Morris. He should have drove on. Um was the wrong decision. He felt contact. Morris did make contact on his back, but not enough to give a penalty. Um, yeah. yeah, it was getting nervous there. And uh, one of our listeners uh, messaged us on Instagram, caught offside ESPN. I think the change to the back five and getting rid of Adams invited too much pressure. I, I, I do feel that we were kind of inviting them on no, like I, I said at the top of the show, you have to feel at some point that Mexico will have their their purple patch, their 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 last kind of gasp attempts to try and and and, and strangle a win out of this game, uh, and it did happen. But I, I, you know, I think there was that moment where the I think it was Sanchez went down the right, he cuts it back, it gets deflected behind Stefan, and Aaron Long clears it, and yeah. then of course what you mentioned the the blast from Lozano right before the substitutions where that clipped the crossbar. But generally speaking, I thought that the U the U S were more than firm. They held more than solid in, in that defense. Yeah. I mean, look, if you want to question their decision to, for the last 10 to 15 minutes or so, maybe play for the draw. Um, you, you're free to question that. I suppose I understand it. There were guys who were tired out there. Um, but in terms of, you know, whether or not they were inviting pressure, that that happened, but they held up, you know, like mm. Bearhalter brought on defensive yep. guys who did their job and they did get out of there with the the nil-nil draw. So, um, yeah, tonight, tonight won't be the night when I'm really going to have many criticisms of Greg Bearhalter. I really uh, 
I thought that the team played really well tonight. So props, props to them. Um, in terms of specific guys that I would kind of give a round of applause for, I thought, you know, I mentioned this before, Anthony Robinson was his usual self. I thought just he continues to be a, a rock for them at that left back position. Um, you know, I mentioned Miles Robinson got off to that shaky start, but then settled in. I thought him and, and Walker Zimmerman did their job, repelled pl- pressure, lots of clearances. Um, I thought they played well. Um, you know, Tyler Adams, again, kind of just consistently doing the things that Tyler Adams does. Um, and then, you know, the two guys who who were reintroduced tonight, Gio Reyna in, in a cameo appearance. I thought that was like, just what a boost for his confidence. He gets out of there a healthy, you know, no kind of health scares or anything like that. And, and makes a real impact in a short amount of time. I mean, I think immediately reminding everyone about what we've been missing with him, not there calm on the ball, the run, the pass to PFOC, all that stuff. I'll bet he starts versus Panama. I hope he does, especially with way out. And then Aaron Long, you know, welcome back again, was, was brought in in the thick of, of pressure when they needed an important defensive change. And he made a couple important defensive interventions. So that had to feel good for him too, to get back out there in a big moment. So I think guys, you know, who, needed to kind of reprove to themselves even, okay, I'm, I'm good. I can still do this. They, those guys did that tonight. So um, I'm, you know, the, you wanted to win the U S played well enough to win, but I think there's, there are a lot of reasons to feel good about what happened. here. Um, I would be going over a lot of ground and repeating just what you've said in terms of some of those selections. I would just single out a cost and Adams in the midfield. I thought they had an excellent night and it wasn't as dominant a performance as the first night in Columbus, uh, the win in Columbus against Mexico. Um, I thought it was both sides. I thought both sides struggled to connect a lot of passes together. I thought it was scrappy. But in just the context of the game, I thought the U.S. Just did just fine and were really, really unlucky not to to walk out of the Azteca with uh, with a bag full of three points because that's how you get the three points in bags. That's that's true. That's a good point. That's how they present it to you afterwards. Uh, so looking ahead, like we said, no Yedlin, no Wea, no Reggie Cannon. Add him to the list. Uh, apparently, I'd seen initially uh, his he had an inconclusive COVID test, but then tonight they said he tested positive. So no him, no Cannon as well. Obviously, all the other injuries that we knew about. Shaq Moore added to the squad. Good chance you see him. Um, and now here's the, here's what everyone wants to know. Of course, if you haven't seen already the scenarios, a win against Panama and a Costa Rica draw or loss against El Salvador and the U S clinch, uh, a draw versus Panama and a Costa Rica loss versus El Salvador, the U S clinch, essentially any win, um, or even a draw against Panama on Sunday would, would that, that guarantees fourth. Uh, a win pretty much regardless of what Costa Rica do in their game, a win pretty much guarantees it. The, the goal differential that Costa Rica would have to overturn um, to, to pass the U S is, I think it, I think it's an eight. They have to outscore over their next two games, the U S by nine, eight or nine goals, something, I mean, almost laughable. So like we said the other day, the Mexico game was huge and getting a point in it was obviously huge, especially after Costa Rica beat Canada. Thanks for nothing, Canada. Um, but this was always, this window was always going to be about Sunday against Panama. And that in fact, that is the case. So buckle up, bear down Sunday, baby. It could all be decided on Sunday. Whew. 
uh, and I'll, I'll get re-nervoused up all over again. <laughs> you will For slather now. yourself in sweat again. Yeah. One, uh, one kind of just random observations from, uh, from okay. this one tonight. Uh, during halftime, I checked in. I saw on Fox, they tweeted out they were doing kind of like a live viewing party. Um, and one of the things I saw, I was surprised by this, JJ. So they, they had chicken wings, I guess, at halftime. And Alexi Lalas just went off on how much he hates wings, how useless wow. they are, how it's too much work for what you for the payout. OK, of what you get. OK, come on, man. Chicken wings are the best. I don't. I was. He said they're just a conduit to the sauce that's on them. That's that, not fair. I don't think that's fair. Um, I do think that um, in this great nation of ours, there is a crisis, and it's a crisis no one wants to talk about. Uh, the mainstream media, or as I call them, the lamestream media, they won't speak about it. You got to go to certain websites to to hear this spoke about. All right. So what is it? It's the fact, Andrew, that you can't know at any given place how meaty that wing is going to be. And sometimes you get a nice sauce, but really insignificant uh, meat on the wing. And I think we need to have a more standardized wingage in this great nation of ours. What you're asking is impossible. It's not impossible. It's not. Every every chicken has a different amount of, of meat and muscle. Um, I think make, if, unless you want to clone, if you want to find one prize chicken and then clone it a billion times, then, okay, there, there you go. Now we can have uniform levels of meat I on all think, our chicken wings, but, but that's just not, come on, I, man. I think healthier, happier, free range chickens are going to produce better wings. Uh, I don't think it, I know it. And, uh, I think it's up to the great chicken farmers of this fantastic country to to step up and and, and address this crisis because i want to know every time i go to to order the wings just like alexi is alluding to that it's not going to be a crunch of bone and sinew it's going to it's going to be a meaty pleasure it's it's a place to place thing i think you know you you've come to find out the places that you can rely on just like with any other food no i will i won't accept poor standards and wings anywhere period this is ridiculous. This is outrageous. Best wing I've ever had, Zeb's in Mattydale, just outside of Syracuse. They bake the blue cheese into the wing sauce. It's, it's fun- and they're big. These these you don't have to worry about the meat you get on those wings. They're fantastic. Also, uh, CBS they did their countdown tonight of the best U.S. moments against Mexico. I, I was good with number one. The, you beat Mexico two 0 in a World Cup uh, round of sixteen. That's number one. Oh, you got, I, I, I don't think there was a debate there at all. Really. Yeah, they all, everyone agreed on the panel. It had to be number one, and uh, yeah, and that game had, that game had so many layers to it. Yeah. Any other observations? Or we put this one to bed. I think I think we can put this one to bed and uh, focus on maybe a little bit of European action. Let's go ahead. Look, we'll take a break. All right, we'll collect ourselves from this uh, exhausting evening. We'll come back. And we'll wrap up. Italy are out, and it's not even at the hands of Portugal. It's the hands of North Macedonia. This is this was unfathomable. We'll talk a little bit about that. Portugal narrowly getting through uh, Gareth Bale, his performance. A couple other things before we uh, we finish up here. It's late. It's 1.30 a.m., JJ, but but I'm still I'm still good. I'm still good. I'm almost I'm glad we're doing this now. I, I couldn't have gone to sleep right after that USA game. My adrenaline was pumping too much. This this is right. This is right. We'll be right back for more caught offside after this. Italy 
Lose possession, and it's worth a crack! It's just astonishing! North Macedonia striking and in time! And there is bedlam in the stands at the Renzo Barbaric! Oh! Oh my goodness, back now on Caught Offside, JJ. Oh, Lordy. Are you, you, let's just say that that was a wonderful strike. That is oh, that yeah. was an absolute belter. Uh, there was some, I saw some tweets and I would tend to agree that the, there was a surprise element to it and that maybe Donnarumma wasn't properly set, but he's put it right in the spot where Donnarumma can't get to it. Even a man of his, um, what was that really tall giant from American mythic lore from the like Great Lakes region? <laughs> what was his name? Like Sasquatch? No, Bigfoot? no, he was um, Slenderman. Paul Bunyan. Oh, <laughs> you know this Bunyan-esque goalkeeper <laughs> couldn't he couldn't get across? Um, and Mancini's reaction. And by the way, the timing. Oh Lord, the timing. Italy couldn't do anything. Now, Florenzi nearly got an equalizer, but it went, it was kind of a shot that deflected off him and went, went past the post and wide. But um, it was the kind of goal, both in like the way it happened and just the way that the flow of the game. I mean, like North Mass, Italy had 32 shots. Like this was one way traffic. North Macedonia did very, very little. Like there was, I just wasn't prepared for this and the way the goal happened it kind of just came out of nowhere essentially you know just route one and then bang goal um but like it was the kind of goal you ever put your finger on like uh, a pan or something that's still way too hot to touch but your fingers on it for like a second until your brain can actually process until your hand get the hell off of that pan it's it's burning you like that was this goal the ball was in the back of the net and it like it took me a minute to actually react and like I had my brain comprehend that Italy just conceded that goal and aren't going to the World Cup. Can I pick you up on something, though? So if you watch the uh, ESPN feeds, which most people do, uh, because that's where it's it's shown in North America. Mm-hmm. And at the end, I think it's a, a UEFA feed they pick up. So at the end, there's. It's on ESPN Plus. There's no match analysis there. You have to go to ESPN FC to watch the match analysis. But they show the highlights of of the half that's just finished on a loop. Like they show every half chance about four times from four different angles, right? (laughs) Right. And so they did that. And I'm looking at the Italy chances. Andrew, you say they had 32, whatever. That is box score. That is... you're they right. were not good chances. Well, they could have been, except Italy's finishing was was worse than the U.S.'s. I think tonight. Berardi had a really good one, and out of nowhere, a North Macedonian defender comes across and just blocks it, slides in and blocks it. There was some gallant and organized North Macedonian defending. But like you said about Mexico and your main worry about Mexico was if you if you don't take any of your admittedly half chances... Like the XG was like 1.8 for Italy. Right. Like when you're that dominant, it, it seem, that seems a bit low. And I didn't feel they had that. Maybe in the first half, actually, yes, in the first half, they had a better quality of chance. But you always leave the gate open a little bit. And that was a that is going down as one of the biggest shocks that 
that that goal is going to be repeated forever. And and the bemused Italian faces in the stands. Yeah. The, the I don't know if you saw the crowd shots. There were some kind of old men. There was one bald guy, uh, and he just he turns around and he puffs out his cheeks and just goes, just shrugs and shakes his head. It's like what can you do? Um, let's hear from uh, Roberto Mancini, Andrew. Um, he had some things to say after the game, as 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 you would expect. Um, let's see what he had to say. He said that he just couldn't understand. It's hard to say something right now. I don't know what to say. Last summer was the most beautiful joy. Now comes the greatest disappointment. It is not easy to think of other things. I am very sorry for the boys. I love them much more tonight than in July. I am the coach. I am the first responsible. The boys are not. They have a great future. They are strong players for the future of the national team. We did not deserve this defeat. Hmm. How do you like how do you reconcile where they were just a few months ago well, to being here now? That's that's an interesting one. And I know there's Italian fans are going to be like, you, just, you can't say that this happened tonight because they're not good enough. No, that's not I, the answer. I, I think, though, the high watermark of Mancini's Italy, apart from qualifying the qualifying for Euro 2020, which was record breaking for Italy. I think they ran out of steam in the group stages of Euro 2020. And everything after that was a bit of a trudge, Andrew, including the final where England went ahead. And if England had had the, um, to quote John Giles, the moral courage to keep playing and keep doing the things that they did to create the goal from Luke Shaw, could have beaten Italy. Now, Italy deserved to win that final just based on that game, the way they played their way back in and dominated pretty much to the end. But it's not like England pushed their chips to the middle of the table. Didn't bring on Bakayo Sacco or... Jack Grealish famously until until it was too late. And when they did bring them on, it was almost for penalties. I think Italy peaked at Euro 2020. And everything after that has been a kind of a, a bit of a trudge. So the, the results would, would line up with what you're saying. Mm. They were undefeated in World Cup qualifying. Then Euro 2020 happened. The, this unbelievable achievement for them. And then on the other side of that, I mean, the results tell you they were a different team. Uh, so yeah. they, they beat England on July 11th. Their next World Cup qualifier was September 2nd. Draw with Bulgaria. Following that, draw with Switzerland. Uh, then they hammered Lithuania. Yeah. Um, but then after that was the UEFA Nations League finals. Lost to Spain. Um, then in the third place match, they beat Belgium. But whatever, that's a third place match. Then back to World Cup qualification. Draw with Switzerland. Yeah. Then another World Cup qualifier, draw with Northern Ireland. And then that leads up to this against North Macedonia, lost to North Macedonia. That is, I mean, let me just count here. Their losses and draws. Bulgaria draw, Switzerland draw, that's two. Uh, another Switzerland draw, three. Northern Ireland, four draws, a loss to North Macedonia. So four draws and a loss in World Cup qualifying to go with a loss against Spain in the UEFA Nations yeah. League semifinal. Like, that and that all came immediately after the, this peak moment of of winning Euros. Right. So maybe it was exhaustion for these players. That could have been some of it. Maybe there was just this emotional 
peak that they had gotten to that they just couldn't sustain that and they they yeah. just fell off a cliff afterwards they couldn't keep up that that you know level of intensity that you need in these important games when the other team is bringing it and now you got yeah. a target on you because you're european champions every team is going to every game that a team plays against you is a cup final for them i think uh, as so well it's, it's that's unbelievable yeah you're right and to meet to meet the emotional so the emotional peak that they were on for last summer was so high and then to to go back to the kind of day to day very very quickly really back to the day to day of qualifying they couldn't they couldn't do it and i think it's important as well to factor in that it's rare that you have you don't have a european championships in one summer and then a, a world cup almost a year after mm-hmm. a little more than a year but a year and a half but yeah it doesn't it doesn't usually happen that way so yeah they couldn't reach that crescendo again and now they're out and I saw a Irish journalist, I can't remember who it was. He tweeted that the World Cup is just not the World Cup without Italy. They uh, are. I mean, I mean, it obviously is. I, I mean, I'll disagree it, with that. Yeah, uh, we, we've, we've Holland have been have not made it. And Italy, Italy not, wasn't in the last World Cup. And England have not made it in, to European championships and World Cups in, in living memory. So. If there it's, was one team that I might say that about, I feel like Brazil, Brazil not being in a World <laughs> Cup doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Um, yeah, but that's fair. But I, I do get the sentiment that who do you think of? You think of West Germany, now Germany. You think of Brazil. You think of the Italians. You probably think of the English now as well, too. Um, you think of the Dutch. There are some kind of World Cup sacred cows. Blue, in co- you know, college basketball, they call them the Blue Bloods. The Duke, Blue Bloods. Kentucky. Yeah. Yeah. Appalachian State, you know, the, the blue bloods. Um, but yeah, it's 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 shocking to me. It was if I didn't love kind of Italy and Italian culture so much, I would have kind of laughed a little bit because I don't know. It's nice to see. It's nice to see the big teams fall every now and again. It it it, it, it gives you that it renews your faith in football. that it's not all weighted towards the powerhouses. Yeah. I mean, Even look. In, North Macedonia were plus 1700 <laughs> like that's to win like that absurd yeah. absurd I, know, I, Italy are sixth in the FIFA world rankings North Macedonia were 67th yeah um you know the, this is a difference of 60 spots like I did this think, was um, this was almost unprecedented incredible stuff I did think going into when I saw the draw back in when was the draw made in November um I did feel as if there would be an upset in either the Italy-Turkey game, or excuse me, the Portugal-Turkey game, or this one. I just felt that. And I can't well, remember. remember North which... Macedonia beat Germany. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. Um, but no, but when it, when it was a one-off game for, for, the, for the whole thing, or not the whole thing, but to get to a final, like, yeah, I, uh, I didn't see that being the... I, I thought Portugal were more likely to, to succumb to Turkey, but there we are. Well, Portugal had a close call as well. They went up 2-0, looked like it was going to be comfortable. Then Turkey got a goal back, and then sure enough, in the 83rd, penalty. A close one, but it went to VAR, penalty awarded, and who was it? Burak Yilmaz just skies it over the net, and uh, Portugal wound up adding one more late uh, to seal it at 3-1, but this could have very easily been an unbelievable comeback for Turkey, 2-2 to send it to extra time. They're an extremely frustrating team, aren't they? Um, Portugal for their talent pool, Andrew. And I know they're, you know, they're recent or relatively recent European champions, but 
they don't they they flatter to deceive all the time. And um, and then we get to Wales and Austria. The, the Gareth Bale show. The Gareth Bale show. That free kick. Yeah. Um, Two goals for him. Um, the I, angle. Like, who goes for that? That's... It was, it was an outrageous strike. The pace he got on it. The dip in under the crossbar. The goalkeeper showed him a lot of that side, which I wonder maybe did that influence Bale. But even... Uh, even in showing him that much, if the goalkeeper had even come a yard or two to his left to close that off, it's so in the top corner and has so much pace. I don't think he's getting there either. No, there's not many guys that can that can do what he did there. That's it's like tremendous. him and James Ward-Prowse. Yeah, oh, your your best buddy. That's what we're talking about. Bale is he's such, at this stage in his career. He's such a weird player. Yeah, he really is. Because like he can, he's capable of being one of the best players in the world still, but he's incapable of being it consistently. Now, right. I don't know if that's because of injuries. I don't know if that's because his it's club, definitely injuries, his club doesn't age. like him or well. because he doesn't like his club or he just doesn't feel like doing this consistent. I don't know what it is, but he, he can, he, he can still turn this on. I was trying to think of who, like who's a comp to him. Who's like a, a Gareth Bale comparable. I came up with Kyrie Irving because like Kyrie Irving goes through these stretches where like, for whatever reason, any number of strange reasons, he doesn't play. Like when he was with the Celtics, like when he played, they were worse weirdly. Like it didn't Mm. make sense, but then he has these moments when it's like, you're like, Oh my God, he, is he the best player in the NBA? Like that's, I feel like I get that sometimes with Dale where I go through months where I don't really hear much about him. And then I watch him once. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's right. He's, there's no one like him. He's ridiculous. Yeah, Bale, Bale kind of just got caught in a situation at Real Madrid where he was through, no, I won't say no fault of his own, but through circumstance, doesn't play. So, so I, there's got to, I, I, somebody needs to go deep on this. We need a book on, on his tenure with that team. Well, it won't be written by any journalists from America, Andrew. I'll put it to you that way. Um, I don't know. I bet they would love to. It seems like their <laughs> their their reader base would go crazy over some of the uh, the things that they have to say. Well, um, it was it was Marca that reported, or he was labeled. Bale was labeled after the the four nil defeat against Barcelona in El Clasico as a parasite, um, and he was he didn't even play. No, but I think but, that's what's at the center of it. I guess yeah. is that he said he couldn't. Yeah, um, and this I'm reading from ESPN here. After scoring his goals for Wales tonight, Bale celebrated by thumping and kissing the Welsh badge. And when asked, and by the way, it it really did look like a, a release mm-hmm. um, for him uh, of aggression. And uh, when asked in a post-match interview if his celebrations had sent a message, he replied, "I don't need to say anything. It's a waste of my time." It's disgusting. They should be ashamed of themselves. I'm not fussed. End of. I can hit a free kick if I'm able to play, he added. It was nice to see it go in. The early goal gave us that momentum, and the second one was nice as well. I had some cramp at the end, which I guess is normal, but I will run into the ground for this country, and we all did that tonight. See, that's the thing that Real Madrid fans will get triggered by. Yeah. Like where he says, I will run into the ground for this country. Like they will say, why, don't, why won't you do that for us? It, well, play me would be the response to that. But they'll say, well, like, 
he said he couldn't play in mm. El Clasico, right? Yeah. But now here he is a few days later and look look pretty healthy. And so like they'll start thinking, well, you wouldn't want to play in our in one of our biggest games of the season because you wanted to make sure you were healthy for Wales. You'll run mm. into the ground for them, but you won't do it for us. And so like there's I don't know. He has scored some of the biggest goals in the history of that club. And it's a it's quite a history that they have. You know, but his legacy there is going to be so so conflicting. Uh, it's very strange. That, I don't know. Wh- I don't know what his future looks like because he's not that old. He can and he can still he's still capable of this. Yeah. It, it, it. Maybe maybe Wales should do what happens in rugby, Andrew. So in rugby, often in the well, certainly in the I don't know if maybe in the case of, of Welsh rugby, but certainly in the case of Irish rugby, players are centrally contracted. So I, the Irish international players are, 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 sent, are contracted and paid by the IRFU. So maybe Wales could, the Welsh FA could salary Gareth Bale. <laughs> Say, listen, Gareth, come home, play as much golf as you want. We know you love that. Forget these nasty people at Real Madrid mm-hmm. and play for us when you need to play for us. He's only 32. Yeah, he's but younger Andrew, than Lewandowski. He's younger than Benzema. Durability. It's durability, mm-hmm. and uh, and he has got a you know he's got a trunk load of trophies and some amazing memories from this career so far and for playing for Wales. So he's not doing so badly. But I, I'm sure there's a part of him would like to play more regularly somewhere. Yeah, surely. Well, there's no way it won't be there next year. I don't know where it'll be, but it's going to be somewhere else. Um, also, we, before we get out, we should say Sweden in dramatic fashion won as well over Czech Republic. Big result there. minute on a great goal. Um, and so uh, so they advance and they um, in, in their playoff as well. Uh, and that just about wraps it up, JJ. Um, it's 1.46 a.m. It's super late, um, but I'm glad we did this. I'm still wide awake and we're going to do it again a few days from now. Uh, Sunday, Panama. This is the big one uh, in Orlando, Florida. I'm sure there will be an amazing turnout there. The scene will be um, reminiscent of, uh, of five years ago, I would think. Fireworks and all, JJ, just all like right. you like it. When this is clinched, if, when this, if this is clinched, I believe when, but I'll go with if just to keep you calm, then the fireworks can happen. Mm-hmm. And then also... The request from some of you absolute sickos for us to re-release the Trinidad and Tobago podcast. I think that can happen. I think we, we'd be, I think it'd be safe to do that. But only after a clinching occurs. Correct, I don't correct. want to breathe that negative energy into the atmosphere uh, without us having clinched anything. It's When's funny. Uh, I, I actually, I don't know why, but I went back and was listening to some of it today. Uh, that podcast from that you're night. such you're you're a freak there's something wrong with you hearing it now it's it's like it's like we're different people just the way we felt that night and i mean it was five years ago um the yeah. show was di- everything was different like, it was different the world changed that night do you know people really enjoyed that podcast misery loves company people, people needed that people like i I'm pretty sure we've beaten our record for downloads since. But oh, that yeah. was we were still we were still relatively young podcasters. Yeah, yeah, at that point. But that that um 
that podcast went through the roof. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, uh, I guess for people all the wrong to, reasons. People wanted to hear from us and, yeah. and they, they heard from us. Although last thing. It took me 20 minutes to get you to even do the podcast staring into space. <laughs> oh. Anyway, stop talking about that. Let's just you brought it. it up Sunday night, guys. Have you figured out your uh, your wedding plans? Uh, no, I have not. Don't worry about it. People are. They're they're disgusted. What with what? That you should tell your sister that uh, you won't be there and uh, you have. Uh, an engagement, a date with destiny. Well, I'm going to watch the game. Yeah, but you oh, shouldn't. It's just a matter of when I get home to be able to record. The day should be dedicated towards this. Not, well, I, I agree with that. Not towards um, the double wedding. It's not the wedding. It's the bridal shower. The wedding oh, is I in, forgot. Right, the oh, wedding is later. God, this is not an excuse. <laughs> uh, this was fun. Oh, my goodness. It's so late and I have to be up so soon. My kids have been waking up at 5 a.m. the last few days, which is almost now. Uh, hey, good stuff, my friend. We'll do it again on Sunday. I enjoyed this very much. Thank you for listening, everybody. Feel free to to rate and subscribe. That's always important. And tell friends. Um, you know, tell tell somebody that you know that likes soccer that if they're looking for a podcast, this is this is one they should be listening to. Oh, JJ, to you, I say. Check it later, fun boy. See you later, man. Take care, brother. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 